0: We're back again, another way, days. Let's go.
1: I get those goosebumps every time. I just have to
0: get the big fellow off the bench. Can they that last yeah, chance now? and it comes! the He I get those goosebumps
1: every time. I need the hind to throw that to the side, I get
2: those goosebumps every time, yeah When you're not
0: around me, you throw that to the side, I get those goosebumps every time, yeah seven one three one 3 one yeah, I'm blind, yeah. Why they on me, why they on me, I'm flyin' yeah. I'm sickin' low-key, I'm I get those goosebumps every time, yeah I come around, yeah, you lose you, my mind I get those goosebumps every time. I
2: need
0: Here we go, here we go. We're back again. Uh welcome everyone to loaded mag NUFC. Uh back again for another away days. Uh, as a preview the big game. molyneux away. Wolves. Uh got the main man with me, Mr. Chris Hall, the old Brandy and Blaze. Didn't do it last time, I don't think. We didn't do it, uh, we
2: didn't do it. No,
0: didn't. Uh, Back in business uh once again. I have to ask you 24 hours on um from the disappointing defeat against uh Dortmund in the Champions League. How you feeling about it now? Are you kind of over it you're done, or you still kind of is there still some lingering feelings there, mate, after the game?
1: I, do you know what? It's weird. I don't know whether it's the Eddie Howe factor or whether it's just the fact that, you know, like I'm so focused on the Premier League. But like for me, it's done. It's done. Um, Disappointing on the night, Um, but I've literally just forgotten all about it now. And my focus now, Pete, is on Wolves at the weekends. And as I say, whether that's because of Eddie Howe and he says, let's just focus on the next game, I don't know. But um, yeah, that's my mindset. You know, uh, Dortmund's been and gone. One of those things. Um could have, could have got a could have got something on the day.
0: We didn't. Um and we move on. Do you think it'll affect the players? Do you think it will impact on um the, the players in terms of uh you know their approach to the to the game on, on Saturday in any way?
1: If anything, I think it will benefit the players because I think that they will have come off that pitch for straighters. Um because there was an opportunity there for us to get something against Dortmund and they will know. And they will probably have felt it themselves that there was a lot of expectancy and there was a lot of uh, belief that we were going to, you know, get the win last night. And um, so I think the players will want to put that right at the weekend. I know Dave's probably not going to want to hear that, but I think it's important for us now to get back into winning ways. Obviously, our unbeaten run has come to an end, um, in dramatic fashion. But let's let's try and you know keep that uh, keep the Premier League one going.
0: Yeah, definitely. And look, um, it's great to have so many of you in the chat. Um, as always, uh, great to have you all in with us. Um, hold on, I've lost it. Ah, there we go. It's back on. I've got the likes to Jamie. Um, welcome into the chat. I've got the likes to Jason Scott, Tom Dixon, of course, our spanners in the house. Uh, David, great to see you. That, um, that picture on, on his tag is class. It's got the Newcastle badge, it's got the yellow in there. And the blue yeah. there, um, yeah, quality. Jordan Toon for life is in there. Connie, great to see you in there as well. PDK always in the house. And we have a new member, Anto Army. Brilliant to have you on as a member. Um, great to have you with us, and of course, um, the guy that hates goosebumps more than anybody. Uh know, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Moore in the house. Uh, great to have him with us. But look, we'll get um we'll get our guest in because of course. Uh, it's not quite away days about the opposition view, and it's brilliant to welcome back Dave um, from uh, uh, Talking Wolves. So let's get him in. How you doing, Dave?
3: I'm very well, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me back again.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. Like, so you were Thanks. you were one of our first guests, I think, when we first did away days way back a good, good couple of yeah. years ago now. Um, so it's great to have you back on the back on the show and um, and wrapping wolves. I mean, look, you guys. Um, how would you assess your season at this moment in time? And now what I'll do really quickly is I will just share the screen because I've got the Premier League table here. I don't know if you guys can see that. Yeah, yep, yeah, just come up, mate. So, yeah, uh, Wolves 12th in the league at the moment. Um, uh, you just mentioned something actually, uh, uh, off air, Dave. Um, a win against us on Saturday will put us what was it? One, two points behind us. Two, yeah, yeah. two, two points, Two points yeah. behind. Um, how do you set
3: your season so far? It, it's been okay. I mean, considering how disjointed and unorganised our summer and pre-season was, we really didn't know what to expect. And I think the day that Ulan said he was leaving Wolves was very negative in the Wolves space. A lot of people saying, well, that's us, that's us going down. So considering that has happened and considering the opposition that we face so far, you know, we've already played um, Brighton, Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, you know, we've played some, you know, really tough teams already. And to be in the position that we are, you know, it's, it's not been a bad start to the season. So, um, yeah, we're satisfied. Of course, there are some results. Like Luton, we, we dropped points against. Palace, we lost two. There are some games where we think, right, we should be doing better there. But on the flip side, you know, beating Manchester City, picking up points against Villa as well. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's been an OK start to the season for Gary O'Neill.
0: Nah, fair play. Chris, how would you assess w- what Wolves is season so far? Like, how much have you watched of them? Um, and, and kind of what have you made of them Particularly in the build-up to the to the big game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, do you know what they've they've kind of they've they've surprised me because I must admit I was I was uh, shocked when Gary O'Neill got appointed. Um, I know Lopetegui was well, like Dave. You could tell me I'm on here, but I got the impression that Lopetegui was highly forced off by the Wolves fans. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, prestigious manager. Um, you know, had had some big jobs in the past. Um, so for him to then go. Uh, you knew that maybe you know there was something going on behind the scenes i'm not sure but i just wasn't expecting them to bring in gabby o'neill to be honest with you, i just didn't i didn't think he would have been on their radar but and um, uh, what also concerned me as well dave was you know you losing Jiménez. i know he hasn't quite been the same since that horrific injury he has but still you know a top striker and then when it, did he go to fulham for like was it under five million or something like yeah, that yeah and I was just shocked by that and I thought oh you know so what are they going to do who are they going to bring in um and to me i, I they didn't recruit as much as i what i thought they would uh, i know they've got fabio silva back now and he went on loan for a bit didn't he and he's come back in um but like i say they've surprised me and i think wolves and they had that fantastic result against man city recently as well which again no one saw coming um so the, i think i think they made a reasonable start and for Wolves, and Dave, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm thinking now it's just about trying to push yourselves away from that bottom five, six, seven, and try yeah. and get a nice gap so that, you know, you can start looking up the table rather than looking down. Would that be fair to say?
2: Yeah,
3: no, I, I would say exactly that. That sort of echoed my comments after the game against Bournemouth. You know, they... We got quite fortunate in that game, I suppose, because they went down to 10 men, but it's always difficult when you're playing against 10 men for such a long time because they'll sit 11 men behind the ball and, you know, they were... uh you know we got we got an early second half goal, but you know it was level for so long. Uh, but I said that you know we we especially against a team like Bournemouth to gain three points on them, and because of the start we've had, we we should be starting starting to look up rather than looking over our shoulder. So really positive result, and you know going back to sort of what you said, Lopetegui, he knew right at the end of last season what the summer was going to be like. The club made it pretty clear. Um, look, financially, we're not in a great position. I think they sort of saw what's gone on with Everton. And obviously, there's been more news about that this week anyway. Saw what's gone on with Everton financially and Wolves have basically said, look, we can't get ourselves in that mess. I had to spend a lot of money last January to save the club and give Lopetegui what he needed. And basically, I think Lopetegui didn't like what he heard. I think he expected to go into the summer, loads of cash, build a really good team, which I have no doubt he would have done. And it just took Walls too long, basically, to gain the funds that he needed. And I think, albeit it was late, I think he just said, look, I'm not waiting any longer. He went. Um, frustratingly, a lot of the players like the Jimenezes that you mentioned, Nathan Collins, a lot of those are players that Lopetegui didn't like, and that's why we cashed in on them. Um, and then, obviously, Gary O'Neill came in. We cashed in on Nunes, which gave us the funds to sort of strengthen the squad in areas. So, I think, overall, the squad is a lot better we lost some great players, Neves, who we expected to lose, but players like Adama, Batinho, Jimenez weren't really automatic starters, so they're no major, major loss at the moment. Um, but that's why I think so many Wolves fans are satisfied at the moment because it was such a disjointed summer. We just we feared the worst, really.
0: So, um, from your from your perspective, why why is there why has there been sort of a downturn with regards to? finances because like, was it wasn't long ago that, that you guys were setting the record in championship spending 20 million on Ruben Neves and and kind of splashing that that cash like what what has been the downturn for for that to be in the position where you're now saying to Lopetegui we haven't got that sort of money to spend and and continue to build and develop on on your team from from a fan looking inside to the club like
3: what do you think the reason is for that I think it's mainly so a lot of the money that we've spent, we haven't probably spent as wisely as we should have done. And and strangely, you could say fortunately at times, Walls haven't really had to cash in. So you see like teams like Villa have obviously spent a lot of money, but they sold Grealish for a huge amount of money and sold other players that have sort of made up that sort of margin. Whereas Walls, really, we signed Neves for 15 million back in the Championship and expected him to be there one or two years selling for like 40, 50 million. And we held on for it to him for like six years. So that's sort of yeah. where it is. I think Foson, who the owners came into the club thinking, right, we'll sign these players and we'll look to sell them on. But we almost fell in love with these players. And it's very hard. And, and you guys have probably had it at Newcastle, similar, where almost the player's value is a lot more than what clubs are actually offering for him. So we had the sales like Jota, who went, that sort of helped with that. But then we've had signings like Gonzalo Guedes last season. We spent over 30 million on him. Was loaned out six months later because he was a load of rubbish uh fabio silva well, i'm desperate for it to work with him but spent over 30 million pounds on him again just haven't hasn't got the return so frustratingly it's obviously a lot of it is the impact of george Mendes, but they've basically spent too much money and not got the return adama was one as well we spent at the time it seemed like a big risk i think it was about 18 million pounds on him when he was at middlesbrough and after two first year was a load of rubbish second year he really you know he lit up and, and played fantastically in europe and there were, you know, rumours, could Wolves get 60, 70, 80 million for this guy? Mm. Bit quieter the season after, could have got 30 million. And just the whole recruitment, system, Wolves should have cashed in on him that January and they loaned him out to Barcelona. I think on the, you know, a gentleman's agreement that Barca would sign him and Barca actually said, no, nah, it's all right, we don't want him now. So we've got a player back with 12 months left on his deal and and it ultimately left on a free. So this transfer and recruitment structure has changed a lot of Wolves, but I think there's a lot of areas that they will regret and they have probably lost out on money over the last few years because of that. And that's why we're in the position that we're in.
0: Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see because, like, there are so many teams, Chris, like like Wolves' situation. And and Dave's touched on it, like with Villa, for example. Like Villa have, OK, they've, they've got the greedy money that they're probably still using in order to buy players. But you have these teams that... Look like they're really going to go places. Wolves were pushing top four like not long ago, um, around the, sort of the COVID times, and then it's almost like those those funds kind of like start to kind of like eat away, and, and it's hard to kind of maintain. Particularly like Dave said, if you're not being able to sell sort of certain players, Um you know, we surely we're not going to have that sort of concern uh, with the money that we know our owners have got, or or is that it? Could that be? a possibility later on down the line
1: i mean you can never say never can you pete i mean we we <laughs> i think it's the worst kept secret that we've, we're probably the richest club in the world um but that is on the proviso that we have owners who invest in the club owners that want to put money into the club as far as we're aware at this present moment that is the case and you know we're very fortunate and very lucky with that and um, but who's to say two three four years down the line um, you know, the, the PIF turn around and go, do you know what, we've done everything we can do or, you know, the out of love with the project. I'm not trying to put a anybody, but there's no reason to say that that can't happen. Um, so I think we've just got to try and, uh, you know, ride, ride the wave, so to speak, and enjoy it and hopefully put ourselves in as best position as we can so that if that was to happen, which hopefully it doesn't, but if it was to happen um, as a club, both financially, structurally, with uh, as with as sound as we can possibly be, but yeah, as Wolves have shown and other clubs in the past, things can change very quickly. I mean, on the on the flip side, look at someone like Chelsea. Um, they had that influx of money, um, you know, when Abramovich first came in. They bought all the players they wanted. Then they kind of, you know, stayed near the top, were winning stuff, and then they, they dipped a little bit, and then Abramovich left, and then they had that period where you know some people were saying they were days from going into liquidation and disappearing. And then Todd Bowley's come in. He's thrown even more money at it, but it hasn't. It hasn't. You know, it hasn't come to fruition as yet. And um, so sometimes, you know, you can't always bank on you know lots and lots of money potentially improving your club, taking your club forwards, winning your trophies. Um, so it, it, football is unpredictable. If anything, and um, so for us, yeah, not saying it can't happen, Pete, but you know, a betting man would say that. You know, you'd like to think that Newcastle are in a pretty safe position, and that hopefully we're only going to get bigger and better, and hopefully start putting some uh,
0: silverware in the trophy cabinet. Definitely. Let's look at Wolves. So, I was asked on another pod just before I came on here um, certain players who I was taking January. Um, we, we always do. We always do this every so often, and um, we've talked about it from a loaded perspective. We think we're gonna sign in January. Now it, it's hypothetical, of course. January or the summer. Um, and there was one person who was named by somebody else, actually, a Chelsea fan, um, who they like. Um, Pox, the Arsenal fan said he would take him at Arsenal as well. Um, and it was this guy. Um talk to us um about your sensational player who's performing really, really well at the moment, Pedro Neto.
3: Yeah, it's been a, a really good start to the season for Neto. Um, I think you could tell we signed him a few years ago. Um, as a, He was a very raw player. I think it was when we just broke into Europe, actually. Uh, and, and you know, he came off the bench, had games in, in that Europa League season. He just looked like a really exciting young player, um, but still very raw, you know, still lacked a bit of composure. I still remember to this day in the first season, we were 4-1 up against Espanyol in the Europa League. And we went over to Spain in the second leg. Um, I think it was 2-2 at the time. And he rounded the goalkeeper and put it over the bar. And it's just little moments like that. You think, oh, if he starts putting, you know, did all the hard work. If he starts putting chances like that away, you've got like a really good player. And then it seems like the last two or three years, he's been by far our best player in pre-season. And then struggles to start well or gets a long-term injury. He's had a couple of long-term injuries over the last couple of years um, and just really struggled to get going. Even last season, really strong pre-season. Arsenal linked with him, had two or three games in and then out for sort of three or four months. But this season, again, unbelievable pre-season. I thought, right, we can't get too overexcited. But my word, he started off this season, looked sharper, quicker, fitter than ever, Um, not scared. I think I think the issue was last season. He's come back from a long-term injury. He's almost scared to take on his man. Whereas this season, he's just full of confidence. I think already he's on five or six assists. I think six assists in the Premier League already. Top assist maker in the league. And uh, I'm confident we'll keep him around until at least the end of the season. I think he will stay in January. But um, I think if he can continue with the goal contributions consistently before the end of the campaign, I think Wolves could be demanding a, a decent sum of money for him. Definitely. Uh, Chris, Pedro Neto,
0: would you take him at Newcastle? I'm sorry, Dave, I'm kind of like setting <laughs> off the players here, but like um, Pedro Neto, what, what, what do you think about him as a player? Um, and, and would you have him as an alternative alternative option for um, uh, Miguel Miron? Yes. Um, I, th- I can't remember which show it
1: was, Pete. You have to remind me. It was a very recent one, wasn't it? And we were talking about Neto, because I, I think I mentioned that when, um, I must have been talking about Liverpool because I said that when uh, Liverpool signed Diego Jota, a lot of Liverpool fans were bemused as to why they didn't go for Pedro Neto. And I, I think it, it do you know, why it could have even been Dave, you know, it could have even, we could have even been chatting to Dave about it because I remember speaking to a Wolves fan as well and saying, you know, like you, you were all quite happy that it was Diego Jota that went yeah. rather than Neto because Neto looked the, the better prospect. Um, I mean whenever I've seen him he always looks dangerous and I know am correct am I correct in saying Dave that he predominantly plays on the right but he he does cut in a lot is that, is that fair to say
3: Yeah I mean he's had a lot of success on the right I always preferred him on the left and uh, right at the mm. start of the season I, I raised concerns about him playing on the right but the last few weeks he's stuck to the right and he's been phenomenal on there to be fair so yeah he's on the right cutting in yeah yeah I mean that 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 is unfortunately like
1: <laughs> When I say unfortunately, that, that's the kind of problem that we have with Miggy Armandon. you see, Dave, because Miggy Armadon's a left footer and he plays on the right. Now, yeah. Miggy cannot use his right foot whatsoever. So, Miggy Armadon constantly cuts in on his left, but his fullback must just really enjoy it because any half-decent fullback will know that that's exactly what he's intending to do because he's never going to show you down you know, towards the byline. Um, and it would just be fantastic, and I'm sure people agree with this, if we had somebody who was comfortable on either side. Um, and I do think that is something that we're lacking I- incredibly. And when we see Jacob Murphy play on the right instead of Mickey Armour on, you know, we're getting balls whipped in. We're seeing, you know, him actually running to the byline and putting crosses in. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice to see. And that is something we miss. And I must admit, whenever I see Pedro Neto, I do think he. He would look good in the back of my chair really <laughs> Because uh I think he's a great age. Is he a great age, Pete? I think it's fair to say he must be a great age. He's got to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is
0: he 24,
1: 20? maybe, I yeah. guess.
3: 23,
1: 24, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, let me have a quick look. I'm sure he's 23. 23, 23, 23 yeah. 23. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to sound like we're trying to pluck uh, players from you, Dave, but if if there was an opportunity for us to sign Pedro Neto, I would be very, very happy with that. Out of interest, Dave, um, if we were to maybe go for him. What do you think? Um and Pete, sorry if this was your next question. What okay. what do you think um the Wolves hierarchy would want? Or
3: what what you know, where would where would the bidding war start at, would you say? It really depends, obviously, the stage of the season and how his form carries on. I think look, he's not going to carry on with a a goal contribution every other game, I don't think. If he does, you know, that would be, you know, he's on 15, 20 uh, assists or goals. That'd be a phenomenal record. I've seen Wolves fans say if he carries on at the end of the season, you can be demanding 100 million. I think that's way too high. Um, I think certainly you've got to be looking towards that sort of at least 50, 60 million bracket again. um, At least, really. I mean, Wolves' record for transfer received was Nunes from City. That was just under 50 million, I think. So, they'll probably be looking over that again. I think 60 million is enough for Wolves to be happy. And this is what I was talking about earlier. I think, you know, we signed him for under 20 million pounds. If three or four years later, you can turn that around and get 60, 70 million for him. That's what the Wolves recruitment and board are going to start to, uh, to look at a little bit more, but you're like going back to what we were saying about him cutting inside. He does do that, but I think he's having a lot of joy at the moment, just purely because of his pace and skill. He's beating the fullback first. And then sort of running down the byline, that's how he scored a great individual goal, although it's gone down as a, a known goal against City. And the week after against Villa, did the exact same thing, beat Pau Torres and did the exact same thing. So no disrespect to Dan Byrne because he's a great defender, but because of his lack of pace, I think if Neto does get the right side of him, it could be a really intriguing battle on that on that uh, wing uh, on Saturday evening.
0: Definitely. Yeah, we're, we're bad. We've had many a conversation about Dan yeah. Burn and his pace. We talked about it before because it because it is it is a concern because he isn't the fastest. Um, but what what I will say in his defence is that he's come up against some tricky pacey players before and he's managed to deal with it. Um, yeah, and he's managed to handle it really well. Now, part of that is, and we'll look at that when we get to sort of like the tactics ball. But part of that is because of the protection he has around him. Uh, whether it's Botman, whether it's from a midfielder like Joe Linton um, or Bruno or Sean Longstaff that goes over and kind of like doubles up, um, but we we do we do tend to deal with things well. But like you said, a one on one he has been. Um, there was a, there was a young winger, I can't remember his name now, for Burnley Burnley he got in behind a few times at Saint James's Park and in- Colio yeah 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 Colio Show uh, yeah that was him. And he, he used his pace to get in behind a few times. So it can happen. Um, but yeah, that'll be a, it will be an interesting battle for sure. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to, to to watch him play. I mean, for me, I don't know if you agree, um, Chris, in terms of a fee. I think I think if we put in a like a 50 million bid rising, I think, I think that would be a good deal and it would reflect the move uh, and the progression that Neto's made um but something like that uh, i think you're more than you're more than right to demand that type of fee for him because that's mm-hmm. the type of player he is And like he said 23 years old he's going to get but he's going to get better and that fee for will sure. go up um mm-hmm. but yeah you know look he's a Wolves player he's playing fantastically well i think he's joined top of trippier um with six assists if i'm right of thinking wow. um i think trippier's got six so He's got five. I think he might have six. uh, um, uh, Because he he close anyway. Yeah. Yeah. On Saturday. So, (laughs) but but even 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 so, both of them uh, are playing fantastically well. Neto, in particular, um, is taking the Premier League by storm. That is for sure. Another player. This player here. um, He was kind of been in and out of your team, uh, all over the place. But he he seems to have kind of you know settled down and uh, nailed it himself. Um, in, into the into the team up. more as a more regular recently. and He scored a few goals. You know, what impact has he had this season on, on Wolves is sort of like, you know, performances this season?
3: Yeah, Huang has been very, very good. Um, and like you said, he's sort of been in and out ever since he joined the club, really. You know, he seems a little bit injury prone. He was awful for me in, in the first season. Struggled last season as well. Because um, you're actually on loan in the first season with an option to buy, and Wolves triggered it really early. Um, because I think one of the reasons is like in terms of marketing for a Korean player, like it was the it was Wolves had it with Jimenez, the Mexicans they had such a mad reaction from Mexico, and then signed Huang and had the same from South Korea. So I think the Wolves marketing, marketing team were rubbing their hands together, but it didn't actually set the world alight to, to be honest, and struggled last season as well. And uh, I, I I really. I thought he's a good player. I think that we paid just under 15 million pounds. I think it's a good fee for a player in the Premier League. But this season, Gary O'Neill's trusted him. And I think I've never, I I never thought he was a bad finisher. I think he scored once or twice against you guys um, a couple of years ago. I think it was the last game under Mike Ashley, probably for you guys, actually. I think he scored a couple of goals.
0: He did. I was going to bring it up, Dave. I was going to bring it up because I was like, the, the one thing I remember him for. Is he scored, I think he scored two that day. Yeah, at both really nice finishes. Well. Yeah. It was it was my birthday weekend and it ruined my weekend. <laughs> and my weekend after that, my week lit up because we then had the takeover yeah, after, so, after yeah. that, a few yeah. days later.
3: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, but he's just been in an out and an injuries and but this season he's um oh, either played on the left or on the right. Gary O'Neill's really trusted him a lot more, he's got involved a lot more and just seems to be the right player at the right time. And him and Neto are sort of almost creating this sort of chemistry and partnership that we saw years ago under like Jimenez and Adama. And I think our top goal scorers that season were Pedence and Neves in all competitions with just six goals. And Huang's already on that, and he already. So it just proves for us we've struggled massively to score goals. And we've scored in all bar one game so far this season, scoring a couple of goals in, in a few games. So we're really improving on that front. And Huang's a big part of that as well.
0: Definitely. Um, another player, before we move on to the next section, um, a player that uh, Chris likes to talk about, because I know you, you've talked about him before, this man, Um, uh, um How is he progressing at Wolves? Because um, there was a time where he was in, he was out, he was in again. Um, is he is he kind of nailing himself down in the squad, in the first team, playing regular? Um, for those that don't watch Wolves as, re- as regular as some, you know how is he progressing?
3: Yeah, again, eight is an interesting one because uh we signed him, I think, in Nuno's last year. We actually signed him on loan with an option to buy. And he was remember we've all, we've been linked with him for years. I think he was actually obviously a young French lad, a uh, plays for Algeria now, but he was a George Mendes Mendez client as well, and just really, really highly rated as a left back. And uh, we were linked with him for a long time, managed to get him on loan with an option. And it got to the end of that season. It was during COVID as well. So everyone had to be watching their finances. And um, we had a choice of basically, can we sign this guy, Ryan Aitnori, who's d- done okay in the first season as a teenager in England. But we had another guy called Vitinha, who's now gone on to play for PSG for the same fee, who didn't, he struggled under Nuno. And Wolves actually went for Aitnori. Obviously, Wolves fans now. You, you look it looks, you know, you can look at everything in hindsight, but year obviously has gone on to bigger and better things. But Nori was was has been a very good player for Wolves. You can see there's a talented lad in there. I don't think Bruno Large liked him a huge amount because he works well in the back five, but I think off the pitch he's really lazy in terms of turning up to matches late and so on like that. Um, but Lopetegui really disliked him. Uh Lopetegui, Came in just after a young lad called Hugo Bueno was introduced into the team. And obviously, with him being Spanish, Lopetegui just clicked with him. And Bueno seemed to get the nod. And there were huge rumors that I ain't know he was going to get sold this summer because obviously Lopetegui didn't like him. But he's pretty much been a mainstander, Gary O'Neill, and uh really kicked on. I think even last week against Bournemouth, he just looked confident the way he was moving the ball around. He's really skillful, tricky young fullback. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how he can progress this season because this could be a year that really takes off. Chris, uh, have you been have you been on eight Nori watch? You've been keeping an
0: eye on him.
1: Do you know what I haven't actually, Pete? Uh, which is which is a shame, really, because yeah, I've, in case you didn't know, Dave, like I, I've what i watched. I think it was last season. Was it the early part of last season? And I've seen him a few times, and I thought this lad looks good. He looks he yeah. looks like a prospect. Um very, very raw because there mm-hmm. was occasions where I watch him and think, oh like he's still got a lot, a lot to learn. But uh, again, I think is he nineteen twenty? He's not he's not um he's very young still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is, isn't he? I think he's he's 1920, I'd I'd say twenty-two I'm, now, a little bit older, yeah. Oh, 22 okay, yeah. all right, all right. But um but, yeah, I, I think I think he's a prospect. I think he's someone who could end up getting a, a, a big move. But it's it's all about the consistency with him, isn't it? It's about him being consistent. And if he gets this one in the team under Gary O'Neill and, you know, he's continued to play well, um, he could be another one, possibly, uh, Dave, you know, that he cash in on because I'm sure there I will should. be some Wolves fans in the sense that he's a little bit Marmite. Um, sometimes he looks absolutely brilliant. And then other times you think mm, maybe, maybe you could do with more of a, a bit of a steady Eddie, so to speak because
3: um, he is a bit of a Maverick. That's certainly the impression I get anyway, but very, very talented. The what the one thing with Ake Nori I would say is whenever in my I'd say whenever we play a top team, he keeps them quiet. I don't think Mohamed Salah, especially at Molly, who's ever had a good game against Ryan Ake Nori. We lost to Liverpool a couple of years ago, 1-0, and Ake Nori kept Salah quiet for about 88 minutes and then pulled up and got subbed off. And we brought and the young guy like Kiana Hoover on and he he lost the ball and Salah puts it on a play. I think Origi got the winner in the end. Uh, yeah. But every Sal, like players like Salah really struggle against him. Um, but yeah, he's a really good player. A little bit unpredictable at times, like you said, still quite raw. But a player where, again, if he has a really good season, could demand 40, 50 million in the current market. He's, he's, he's that good. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
3: Um, we're going to switch to, to Newcastle now because
0: um, we've got a bit, of cri- a bit of a crisis on around. I'm not going to lie. I'm um, to put this picture on. Um, that went around on socials. Um, we've got an injury crisis. Lots of players out at the moment. Um, you know, we knew about Harvey Barnes is not going to be back to twenty twenty four. We now know that Sandro Tonali has got a ten month ban, so his season is effectively over, uh, he won't be back until the beginning of next season. But we then have had an injury hit. 24 hours or so because um, not only was Elliot Anderson not in the squad and he's been ruled out for the next three weeks, we got two injuries in the short space of time during the game at Dortmund. We've got 14 minutes out of Alexander Isak until his groin went, so he's now not going to be back until after the international break. And we have uh, Jacob Murphy, who dislocated his shoulder, um, who is not now probably likely to be back until the beginning of next year. Um, and we're praying that Sven Botman will be back sometime soon, Chris. What is going on? And, uh, you know, are you worried about the the defensive um crisis at the moment or not defensive crisis but the squad crisis at the moment with the players that are out injured? Um,
1: <laughs> I'm not worried, I'm not overjoyed by it, I'm not gonna lie, but uh, I'm not too worried because. Um, I think you know we've got adequate replacements. My worry will be if there's another two or three, because then I think we will really, really struggle. Um, we were only saying, weren't we, Pete? Was it a couple of weeks ago that like our, our squad, the depth in our squad is actually surprisingly okay. Um, I know we're missing a few key players there, as, as you pointed out, and the big, 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 players. I mean, even if you you look at that graphic, you're talking hundreds of millions pounds worth of players, um, and any club would miss that. Um, but I'm not too nervous at the moment, and I think as long as we wrap the players in cotton wool and Eddie Howe is clever with the management of the minutes for the players that we have remaining, um, who are fit to play, I, th- I think we'll be okay. I mean, a couple of those players aren't too far away from coming back. I don't imagine Elliot Anderson will be too long out. Botman hopefully won't be too far away. We've just got Joe Willock back. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think we can manage it, but... Don't get me wrong; it's not a great place to be in, uh, but I am the pan- I've not hit the panic button just yet, uh, but I will do if we play Wolves at the weekend and we come away with a couple more injuries. So hopefully that that doesn't happen, and that's not the
0: case. Definitely, well, uh, we pray for no more injuries, but
2: yeah.
0: we've now got to put the pressure on um, the likes of Callum Wilson um, to play week in week out uh, um, for for this next period of time, which is not easy. Um, it's it's going to be difficult, but um, we're going to have to really lean on some players to be playing, you know, against Wolves, against Man United in the Cup, against Arsenal, and then against Bournemouth before the international break. Um, And I think we've got Dortmund away in between that too. So lots of games to be played and players are going to be having to give absolutely everything until the next international break. So it's going to be really, really interesting. But with those players aside, Dave, uh, anyone else kind of stick out for you that, that you're sort of worried about
3: coming to Molyneux um, on, on Saturday evening, mate? I think the, the interesting one will be that the midfield battle. Um, I know, obviously, Newcastle. If you looked at the Newcastle team, this isn't any disrespect to you guys. You look at it on paper, and it probably, you know, the bigger teams are looking, thinking, well, we, we should walk over these. But I think the way that Hedy Howe's got you playing. And the quality of football and sort of the morale and momentum that Newcastle have had over the sort of last 12 to 18 months, it's <laughs> you're probably one of the toughest teams to play, you know, in England at the moment. Um, so it's going to be a tough test. That's why I think the midfield battle, I'd assume, you, you'd have like a midfield free frog sake that includes Joe Linton and Bruno gamarez I, f- I think for us, Mario Lamina will play with either um, young lad, Jao Gomez or Bubacar Troy, or Yorre, And I think that's really where the game could be won or lost. And down the, the wide areas as well. I think Trippier is obviously a phenomenal player. Wolves have touched wood, have dealt well with defensive set pieces so far this season. Um and that's why that will be an interesting battle. And we've played really well counter-attacking football. And I think if even if the likes of Dan Burn, creeps or even Trippier, it could be really interesting to see how quick Wolves can counter um well in terms of quality newcastle obviously got it all over the pitch um callum wilson you know he's a fantastic forward when when he can keep himself fit um anthony gordon as well as a player that he struggled a little bit against the set of Britain last year but just kept getting himself in the right sort of areas and i think a fitter and more confident anthony gordon will cause walls a lot of problems uh on saturday definitely yeah well, we, we hope that that's the that's the case but
0: you know we've been really really impressed with, with Anthony Gordon Chris haven't we he's been doing a fantastic Amazing. job this season um another really good game to be fair to him last night against Dortmund although we didn't win he still played well and you never know, we've got the likes of Sean Longstaff putting in good performances wasn't at the at the level that we wanted him to be against Dortmund but still um putting in top performances um and, and, and playing well um but hopefully we'll have these two back fit and firing um, together, um, Joe Linton and and Willick in our midfield, um, but we'll save that until the the lineups because I'm interested to hear what Chris has got lined up for Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested, <Me> to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> what Keith's going to critique you on. But look, yeah. um, we'll get down to the, the match day stuff, um, and as always, it's important that we um, we have a look at some some stats, but. It's Halloween, so let's go back to the original. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight
2: hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. Foulest stench is in the air, the funk of forty thousand years, and grisly
1: ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom.
2: And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. <laughs> Evening, lads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like magic he appears like, I look at the end now He just like it's the Keith Keith's picture around all the zombies yeah. and he's got the biggest
2: smile on his face he's he's awesome. yeah you've got to bring you've got to bring Emma back for um, Halloween it just wouldn't be the same without it, would it really probably one of the most played songs during Halloween along with the Backstreet Boys bizarrely Ooh. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. old classic
0: Max New boys. boys. you're absolutely right. Um, but Keith, more importantly, it's great to have you on Away Days um, and joining us for the show. Double um, O Stato, what stats have you got for us
2: this week, Wolves against Newcastle, mate? Got a lot of stats here, particularly a lot of general stats about both clubs towards the end. But got some head-head stats, um, got some stats on the goalkeeper's how they shape up and some stats on the players as well as the manager stats as well. Um, So Newcastle, they've won four of 16 Premier League games that they've played against Wolves, quite evenly matched these Premier League stats, four wins, 10 draws and two defeats uh, Newcastle have had against Wolves. Um, Newcastle's record against Wolves at Molyneux uh, going back to nineteen twenty, uh, 1990, two wins, six draws and four defeats. Newcastle have got the better goal-scoring record in this fixture. In the Premier League, they've scored 22 goals um, compared to Wolves' 17. Uh, they've got a slightly better defensive record. They've actually got one clean sheet, whereas Wolves haven't got a clean sheet in this fixture in all Premier League games they've faced. Um Six of Newcastle's eight Premier League away games against Wolves have ended in a 1-1 draw. Um, (laughs) And our favourite score. Um, And uh, Newcastle's last Premier League win at Molyneux was a 2-0, 2-1 win uh, 12 years ago in October. And it was Demba Barr and Jonas Gutierrez who got the winning goals in that fixture. Um, Moving on to the goalkeepers, uh, Nick Popes, clean sheets this season. He's kept three in nine games that he's uh, played against Wolves. Um, Jose Asar, he's has one clean sheet uh, in nine Premier League games for Wolves this season. He's never kept a clean sheet, however, in the four games he's played against Newcastle. Mm. Moving on to the players. You were talking there about Callum Wilson who I believe is underrated, Callum Wilson. You know, we've all been bigging up. Um, Alexander Ezak, and quite rightly so, for the skill that he has and some of his goals. But he has some stats about Wilson as well, a backup Wilson. Uh, Callum Wilson scored his 43rd Premier League goal for Newcastle um, last weekend, equaling the tallies of Andy Cole and Sholher Amiobi. Oney Alan Shearer with 148 Premier League goals and Peter Beardsley with 46 Premier League goals have scored more goals for Newcastle in the Premier League than Wilson. And Callum Wilson is averaging a goal every 66 minutes in the Premier League. This season, five goals in 330 minutes. So he has the best goal scoring rate of any player to have played at least 90 minutes so far this season. Moving on to some stats here for Wolves players. Pedro Neto, his assist uh, for Mateus Kunas' uh, goal. That was his sixth uh, assist in the Premier League this season. No player has more assists to his name this season. And it's his joint best uh, so far in a a campaign so far. Um, He's previously matched that uh, with six In the 2020-21 season, only four Wolves players have provided more goal-scoring assists in a season than Pedro Neto has. Kevin Doyle, remember him, in 2011-12, seven goal-scoring assists. Raul Jimenez, in 2018-19 season, he had seven goal-scoring assists as well. Joe Moutinho, in 2018-19, he had eight goal-scoring assists. And uh, Adama Traore, in 2019-20, he had nine goal scoring assists. Moving on to the managers. Eddie Howe's managerial record um, against Wolves in the Premier League. Um, he's managed nine games against Wolves. He's won four, he's drawn two, and he's lost three. Gary O'Neill is undefeated in games he's managed against Newcastle United. Both games last season. That he managed against Newcastle in his time at Bournemouth. They both ended in a draw. Um, and some general stats to round off. No team has won more home games than Newcastle in the Premier League this season with four. And it's the first time since 2007, seven eight season, that Newcastle have won as many as four. And their opening home five home games in the Premier League. Newcastle have scored 24 goals in 9 league game so far this season and that's the most at any stage of the campaign since 1994-95 season well now 26 goals um newcastle have also have the highest shot conversion rate with over 18 percent 18.9 percent they have the most big chances 37 and they have the highest big chance conversion with 54.1. Percent in the Premier League this season. So they're top on all of the right lists really here. And last Saturday's match against Crystal Palace was the fifth time that Newcastle have led by three or more goals at half-time in the Premier League under Eddie Howe. Um Last match was Eddie Howe's 74th league match for Newcastle. Only Kevin Keegan, under Kevin Keegan of Newcastle, scored three or more goals many times in the premier league and that was with keegan it was five times in 162 games um after losing four of their first five premier league matches wolves have been unbeaten in the last four premier league matches two wins and two draws in a run uh, where they've also beaten manchester city and they've drawn with an in for Maston villa as well and that's the longest uh, unbeaten, one w- wolves have been on without defeat since January twenty twenty two, which was five games, and that rounds off the stats tonight.
0: Great stats, as always, Keith. Great spell. Uh, some mixed stats there. I have to say, uh, some good stats for wolves and some good stats for uh, Newcastle. That's for sure. Uh, nice to have them balanced. We've had so many, t- Chris. Yeah. You know, we've had so many where it's been tipped the other way for Newcastle. So it's nice to have them a little bit balanced there, but uh, great stats as always. Now, what I want to do, because I know we're short on time, particularly with um, with yourself, Dave, is I want to come to, uh, if, it, if it works, it should do. Uh, yeah, there we go. I want to come to the, the old lineups board, and I'll come to you first now um i think i've got everyone in the squad uh available for Wolves. now who is your first 11 that you're going for for the game um on saturday
3: i think i could probably predict all bar one player for saturday so obviously it would be jose siren goal for me um had a couple of shaky moments throughout the season and so on but if i'm honest by far, no disrespect to the other goalkeepers. By far, the better player. Um, I think Is it'll be five. Go on, sorry. Is it back yeah, three? Back, yeah, back three. So, if we go to the yep. three center halves, left center back will be Totti Gomez, number 24. Uh, center back will be Craig Dawson, number 15. And then the right center back will be Max Kilman, 23. Again, yeah. those three, Totti, it's good for him to get a chance. Craig Dawson, um. Been solid, but got found out a little bit when Gary O'Neill was trying to sort of high line back four. Max Kilman again, a little bit shaky, but looks fantastic. Back in the back three again. Uh, Walls rejected 30 plus million from Napoli for him in the summer. So, you know, it's yeah. good to have him obviously playing uh, much better football. Uh, right wing back, I think it'll be Samado number 22. Um, again, he was suspended last week, so it'll be nice to have him back in the team, hopefully fresh and fit. And left wing back will be 8 nori number 22. Oh, it's 22 again. I don't know what numbers they are, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know what squad numbers they are, <laughs> even, so <I> don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the midfield, two will be an interesting one for me because I think Lamina, number five, he was suspended last week, but I think he'll come back in. Um, next to him, Wolves have tended to play Zhao Gomez, but I think he had a good performance last week. Uh, Booba Cartroy, already right, number six. I think he'll uh, start alongside uh Lamina as a is a middle two and then the front three will be uh Neto number seven on the right um Huang number eleven on the left and then uh Mateus oh. Cunha um number twelve through through the center I assume. On the left, sorry. My yeah.
2: Man. So okay. yeah, I,
3: I think the only other, the only position that I'm unsure about is whether bubacar Traoré will play. If he doesn't, it'll be Joe Gomez. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty sure that'll be the Wolves team uh, for Saturday.
0: Interesting, interesting. A, a different type of setup there. I'm going to move these around a little bit. She's Got a back three. Um, does anyone out of the two play deeper than the other? Does Lamina play deeper than Traoré, or? Or were they both yeah, I would really-
3: say so. That sort of, I mean, is more of a sort of defensive-minded player. Bubakar Troyoré is, you know, he's a really uh, tall, sort of defensive-minded midfielder, but he's really athletic as well. A bit more of a box-to-box midfielder. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I was saying earlier. They're both quite big, well-built midfielders. And that's why I think Bubikar will probably suit the game a little bit more than Jao Gomez, especially quite, quite physical and talented Newcastle middle three. Okay. So that's the, uh, not going to start. He, he scored the winner. Um, yeah, so two yeah, the two, the two players that I think Wolves fans will be talking about is Sasha Kalidic, who's again, you uh, going back to sort of Keith's comment about Callum Wilson. Uh, Kalejic has played about 50 minutes of football for Wolves and scored two goals, both winning goals as well, coming off the bench. Um, but he hasn't, I don't think he's played a full 90 minutes yet, and that's why that sort of Wilson stat stands. So fans will talk about Kalajic, I just think. He's not one dimension at all. I think he's a very talented player. But I think in this sort of game where Wolves will have to counter-attack, I think he'll restrict us slightly. I think he'll definitely mm-hmm. come off the bench and get at least 20 minutes, though. And mm-hmm. the other player would be Tommy Doyle, who came off the bench against um, Bournemouth and just completely changed the game. He was phenomenal. But again, I just don't think he's a player that's ready to start and physically ready for this battle against Newcastle. And that's why I, I think Gary O'Neill Gary will go with this team. I didn't mention it earlier,
0: but did you watch Monday Night Football Day with uh, uh, with O'Neill uh, talking about, like, uh, with uh, Jamie Carragher? I yeah. thought it was fascinating. The way he talked about the structure of his team, the, the tactics, the way in which he trained his team to beat Man City mm-hmm. um, and one or two other teams as well. I thought it was fascinating. But did you manage to watch it? In, and what did you think? Because he, he did big up Tommy Doyle a lot. Yeah, his, yeah.
3: Bournemouth. Yeah, no. I watched it. It was it was really good. Obviously, quite a lot of Wolves fans are saying oh, he's giving away all our secrets. You know what is it? I did but think, I think that. you know. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, I think obviously that training session they showed was sort of specific to the Bournemouth game. Um, Obviously, the City game. You know, they showed the stats. I think we had we scored two goals. We had one shot on target throughout the game. So I don't think there was much to say. I think he just sort of said how he kept Haaland quiet. Really. So I think he's still. I think if anything is going to show a lot of head coaches and managers in the Premier League, like right, this guy, we can't take, you know, this guy's serious. You know, he knows what he's doing. So, um, but yeah, it, it was great. And hopefully we see a lot more sort of players or head coaches go onto Sky and do a similar thing. Because I think it's fascinating for football fans to sort of, you know, look at that sort of side of the game.
0: From a tactical point, I loved it. I thought it yeah. was great. Uh, and it was great because he had the videos of what he was doing in training yeah, then he showed the videos of what he was doing in the match, was, the exact same yeah, thing. It was brilliant, yeah, that was the same amazing. thing happening in matches, and I just thought it was fascinating. I did, as I just said, I did think he was giving away too much. I don't know if I'd be happy with Eddie Howe doing that, <laughs> um, uh, on Monday night football, but it was, it was interesting nonetheless. But, um, yeah, your team's out there, it's in place. Um, now I know you've got to go, um, very shortly, Dave um in a few minutes so i'll just get chris to put the team out for mm-hmm. newcastle i'll get your opinion on that and then i'll get your prediction before you go is that okay? no problem
3: yeah sure man no problem
0: right chris fella uh, the team is on you what are you going yes. for this week
1: do you know what i was i was i was saying before wasn't i it might be difficult but in actual fact
0: <laughs> there's not that many options so it shouldn't be too difficult
1: um so, I think I'll go obviously with Nick Pope in goal. Yeah. I'll say, um, Kevin Trippier, right back. I'm not going to mention Livermento this week. Yeah. Um, I think it would be, uh, Jamal LaSalle's right center back, Fabian Shah, left center back. Yeah. And Dan Byrne, left back. Okay. Um, the midfield three, in my opinion, will be Bruno Gomerish in the holding position. Bruno,
0: where is it? Where is it gone? There he is.
1: Yeah. Uh, Joe Linton on the left of the midfield three. On the right will be Sean Longstaff. And then up top, for me now, pretty much picks itself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bearing in mind our left winger, our right winger and other striker option are all out. So, therefore, I think it's got to be Gordon on the left. Yep. Wilson through the middle. Big count.
0: And Miggy Amadon on on the right. Spot on. Um, So, so there's the team. Before you go... Um, Dave, because I know uh, you've got another pod to to, to get on to. Um, looking at those teams, where do you think Wolves can get at, um, at Newcastle United? You've obviously talked about Pedro Neto, here, particularly from before, but is there any other way in which you guys create your goals? Is there a set piece? Is there a certain style of play that you play that, that might cause us problems in the game, in your opinion?
3: I think it, I think it's on the counter attack that's what what Wolves strength is and I think it's never like an easy time to play Newcastle but I think this weekend could be better than ever really in terms of the players that you got out injured or suspended or whatever and again I, I, I I'm not religious I don't watch Newcastle for 90 minutes every weekend but sort of from an outsider looking at that back four I think Newcastle have got a better back four overall and that would be available if suspensions and injuries weren't a thing so I think the Shah and the Cells combination, obviously, you know, they've played well, they've played together in the Champions League and done well, well enough. But I do think, you know, Wolves can get at those pair. I think if we can catch Trippier bombing forward or off a set piece and counter-attacking Huang yeah. and Neto and even Cunhu's a super talented player on the ball, could have that little bit of joy. But I think it is going to be that midfield area, you know, Joelinton, Bruno, Longstaff is a busy player, you know, likes to get around as well. I think Wolves have just got to try and get control of the ball, calm the game down, and um, hope that the counter-attacking and, and Pedro Neto's on his A game, and hopefully other players like Aitnori who, and and Samado. You know, everyone's got to be on their A game for Wolves to get a positive result. But I think with the injuries and stuff that you guys have got, it's going to be a a tough challenge. But definitely again, the Wolves can try their best to get something out of. Mm.
0: Um, I think I might, I might be wrong here, but I just think I saw a stat. Um, that you
3: guys have conceded an, uh, quite a few goals from set pieces this season, is that right? I don't think we've conceded one, that might be what it is. I think we haven't conceded. Oh, any. sorry, it might be the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think of another team that's conceded a lot of uh, goals. from I'm, sh- set I'm sure we haven't, I'm not sh- uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. It could be one or the other. It's either you've not
0: conceded from set pieces or you have, but I, I thought that was really, really interesting because I think set pieces might well be crucial in that situation, either for or against Newcastle from uh, from that. And I'm, I'm looking at your back three and I'm thinking, have they really conceded a lot from set pieces? Because you've got Kilman, you've got yeah. Dawson, both that I know are good in the air. Totti, I know a little bit less about, but um, I'm thinking those guys are likely to keep things out. So it could well be that you're right, that actually you have not uh, from set pieces, but that's where potentially Trippier could come in. Um, because although he was, set pieces weren't great, he's got a lot of his assists from really good deliveries into the box um, to cause problems uh, for the opposition, going back to Sheffield United as a uh, case in point. But um be really, really interesting to see how that, that, that goes on. But just before you go, what's your, what is your prediction, Dave, for the game on Saturday, mate?
3: Uh, I, I, to be fair, I said on my preview, I'm hoping, I think my heart is at like a 2 on Wolves win. Um, but you know, I don't think it'd be that easy. I would take a point right now. I would take, I think both teams to score one-one is probably going to be quite a popular and safe bet for a lot of people based on history, based on both how t- how both teams are playing. But I know Newcastle fans will probably be going into this game and thinking, you know, there will be a, you know percentage of Newcastle fans disappointed to not come away with three points. But Wolves at home have been very, very good for the last twelve months um we're on a 4 match and beat and run so you know i don't think i think it's gonna be a tough game for both sides but yeah i'll be i'll be reasonable i'll say a 1-1 draw and i think i'd take that before the game
0: interesting
3: dave it's been a pleasure to have you back on after a while Thank you
0: guys. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on again soon um to talk all things wolves um and yeah just, just plug your channel before we go before
3: yeah it's go. at talk at talking walls guys so if you want to see my thoughts ahead of the game or even after the game obviously i'll give my thoughts so if newcastle beat you can see me uh upset probably in my car after the game <laughs> or we do the fans fans react as well so we get quite a few walls fans just giving their thoughts on the match as well so yeah check us out We're on all the socials and obviously youtube as well and uh yeah thanks for having me again guys pleasure dave i'll let you go you take care of i speak to cheers you, guys enjoy cheers, the rest of you cheers, cheers boys thank you mate. bye bye bye, yeah, bye. Mate.
0: great out. time Dave, on uh, great guest as always and like i said chris he was one of our originals um uh, on 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 the channel uh but look we're not going to stop here we're going to keep going and look if you haven't already and i think chris might have the button ready potentially don't oh, uh, already like and subscribe um get those likes up get the algorithm up get us um on the way to 7k with your subscriptions, but equally your likes will allow the algorithms to um, get this show uh, and this channel further and wider to make sure you um, support all things uh, Loaded Mag and UFC. But as I said, we're not going anywhere. We've still got um, a little bit to discuss from a Newcastle perspective. Um, So, looking at the team, um, the teams are out. Dave's given his his opinion on all things uh, Wolves and where he thinks we'll win the game. Um, But equally, we've got a Newcastle team here. And Keith, Chris has put his team out. Do you agree? Would you change? Are you going to do anything to change that lineup? Or Are you happy with how
2: it looks? What are you thinking? How are you going to critique this? I think it's as Chris uh, said. Unfortunately, the options seem to be becoming more limited on a week-to-week basis, really, don't they, unfortunately. Um, Back four picks itself, for sure. That's your strongest back four. You don't change a a back four. Hopefully, Botman's back in the sides uh, soon to make it the strongest back four that we're going to have. But, yeah, that's pretty strong at the moment. Um, Yeah, Bruno and Longstaff interchanging as normal. Um, I think this game here, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of those choices that Chris has got in his starting lineup. I think for me, it's interesting to see what options we have in the second half yeah. to try and push for a win if the score is level later on in the game. So, for instance, one of the few bright spots about yesterday was seeing Willick back, yeah, for Newcastle and get 20 minutes. Does he come on again for a similar amount or 15 or 20 minutes maybe uh, tomorrow? Those fresh legs, you know, in the, the middle of the park. Um if, do you know what do you know go, what on. I mean? go on, go on, go on, oh, Sorry,
1: Peter, I was just going to say, okay. I started laughing when you were scrolling along because when you were scrolling along the bottom of the screen, like every play you see, you go out, 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 out. I, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know about Keith, but I think it'll be interesting to see who we name on the bench.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's um you're absolutely right. Because you look across here, just across there, you've got Harvey Barnes out, Murphy out, Isaac out, Miley out. And then you go across, you've got Richie, probably gonna get a place on the bench. Um Anderson out. Willock <laughs> in Tanali uh, season's over. Lewis, possibly. Uh, in, in the squad. Well, in fact, he will be in the squad. Target will be in the squad. I'm Intr- put. I'm going to put it out there to you because I mentioned to you guys on the watch along. I thought. Trip, I thought Target did all right when he came on. Yeah, he did. Do you think he he's going to be someone that gets more minutes? People on the on the um, on the watch along talked about his delivery, his free kick. Where uh, will it? Um, sorry, not Wilson hit the bar. Um, But some of his deliveries and some of his play on the ball was confident. Do you think that's going to be an option um, at some point in this game? I think he's a certainty for Old Trafford, personally.
1: I think he will definitely play at Old Trafford because once we get this game out the way and touch woods, and, you know, Keith mentioned about uh, Joe Willock earlier and saying, you know, maybe come on the 70th minute, Joe Willock is going to have to get wrapped up in cotton wool majorly. Because he he's he could potentially be our only real you know established attacking Packers threat to come off yeah. the bench. So if he gets injured, we're knackered. Um So we've got to we've got to really really look after Joe Willock. But yeah, I, I to answer your question, Pete. Yeah, I think I think Matty Target is almost a certainty um, to play against Man United at Old Trafford, and I think Eddie Howe's going to bring the changes. And it wouldn't even surprise me looking along that list at the bottom. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw Matt Ritchie play. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw Javier Manquillo get a game. I, I genuinely think he's going to have to rest players because he can't play this eleven uh, against Wolves. Then Man United. Then at the following weekends, and then potentially, you know what I mean?
0: There's too many. Arsenal. Awesome. We've got Arsenal after Manu. Too many games. <laughs> so awesome it, it, it's it's
2: a fair point. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, is there a point, is there is there an opportunity as well to bring the likes of Liverpool in? You know, because Liverpool yeah. had a brilliant debut. Um, I would certainly suggest, you know, going down, you certainly need to be either Liverpool featuring in this game at some point as a subject, or the game at Old Trafford, as you were saying, Chris, mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. Man United away. Um, it's just an opportunity, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation, but difficult situations can bring out opportunities. Yeah, they come, And we've seen, you know, way back when, you know, night two I'm going back years here, but in the UEFA Europa League, away to um Palermo, um, look at Tim Kroll get his debut. You know, oh, that, that that was through you know. that was that was through Carl, that was yeah. through an injury situation. Um mm-hmm. and we know what mm-hmm. happened there. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunities here, really. It is a difficult situation. You know, we don't want to see as many injuries as we have. We don't want the Tanali situation either, but that's the hands that we've been dealt, and we've just got to try and adjust to it. Now, Newcastle, especially last year, coped well in adversity situations by shuffling the pack when they needed to. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. There's an interesting question here, and I'll, I'll pop it up, so apologies if I missed anything out. Uh, Chris, David asked, but guys, do we rotate rest Wilson over the coming weeks? If Gordon goes up top, then who goes out wide? Matt yeah. Ritchie must be yeah. on the verge of making the bench. I agree. Um, all, all all great points, but from, mm-hmm. from from David, I've just seen that, so I just what i put it on there. You boys agree with that, Chris? Keith?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I, uh, I agree with David there. I think um, I think this is where. We have to, you know, delve into the squad, and Eddie, Eddie talks about, doesn't he, utilizing the squad, using using the players, uh, and I I do genuinely think that's what we're going to have to do because, again, you know, this is this is probably our strongest eleven that we can select at the moment. However, we, you know, we can't play we can't play the next three games which are coming up in within a week we can't play these these 11 players for 90 minutes we, we just can't and yeah. uh, so we, we're going to have to utilize the squad keeps right there's going to be opportunities Um i think we're going to see livermento playing we're going to see lewis hall playing we're going to see matt mitchie playing um and i'm not opposed to that i just hope that you know we can we can come out the traps try and put the game to bed And then maybe it's time to kind of rest a few players and give it a little run out.
2: Absolutely. I was just about to say that, Chris. Actually, you know, if Newcastle are in a really comfortable winning position, a couple of goals up before half-time, a couple of goals up early in the second half, do we see some of those changes just to try and see Mm -hmm. the game out but rest Mm -hmm. a few of uh, more experienced players' legs, starters' legs in that game, the likes of a Richie, the likes of a... You know, certainly a a Lebrimando or a a or coming
1: in. Mm. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. That that bench, to me, I, when when the uh, you know when the pitcher comes out um, before the match, uh, I will be focusing particular attention on what the bench is because yeah. for me, I think the eleven picks itself, uh, so I can't really foresee any big surprises there. But the bench is going to be particularly interesting to see who gets an opportunity. Who knows if we don't see a couple of youngsters? Even who we haven't even got in the squad. There, he could have to call some youngsters up from the from the youth team and say, "Go on, you know, you, you might get a few minutes here." And it's good for them to be in and amongst the squad. Um, I mean, off the top of our heads, Lance, is there any any players in the in the reserves that we think, oh, you know, they may be given a, an opportunity to kind of step up?
0: Um, is it Ben Parkinson? He came. He he played against Brighton. He went up top. Um, played. Come on off the bench. Played against Brighton. He's played a couple of under twenty three games as well. I say a couple more than that. He started a number of under twenty three games. I'm just. Th- I'm thinking of strikers because I'm thinking obviously, of course, with Wilson, we we are going to need to manage him. He's not yep. going to be able to play ninety minutes. There and yep. there's a few people in the chat that have actually mentioned that. I've not been able to star their comments, but they mentioned it. So um, I think that's a valid point. Like Callum Wilson has been able to go out and give 60, 70 minutes flat out, knowing that he's going to be subbed off and he's known how many minutes he's going to play. So he's given everything for that amount of time and then come off. Because in the later part of the game is when you're likely to pick up injuries. And that's the way they've managed him. Mm -hmm. Now we've not got another option. Who is there? Like someone someone in the chat said Gordon. It might have been Jordan to fly for somebody else. Yeah, it
2: was. And it said
0: Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon's not a striker. He played there. He's done that job. But ultimately, in the Premier League, it's very different to the under-23s playing up top yeah. as, a, as a frontline striker. So, you
1: know. I'm being honest, Pete. Do we want to run him into the ground? Because exactly. that that's a dangerous thing to do.
2: You have to think now as well, with a lot of the changes that VAR has forced through as well, impacting on the game games are now going beyond the old standard 90 minutes plus a minute added on time you know you get games now which go towards 100 minutes and you know that sort of times mm-hmm. difference really so mm-hmm. the pacing yourself for for 90 minutes it's it's beyond that now with all the stoppages and everything so really i don't think it's feasible to, to you know run Wilson into the ground i think we have to do We have to try and make do and mend and think of what options we've got here to bring people on. If you look at last season, the opportunities that were given to the likes of Elliot Anderson, you know, and years ago in in the bad old days when, you know, people emerged like Sean Longstaff, like Matty Longstaff. So there's opportunities here for, as you say, the under-23 to try and feed them in at the latter part of a game if Newcastle are comfortable, Mm -hmm. put themselves in that shop window and then maybe... Get an opportunity at old trafford or one or two of the upcoming games. Yeah. 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 Why not? Spotlight. And
0: and more so in this team than any other team is that they're going to get that opportunity. Eddie Howe will if he needs to, if he feels he needs to, he will throw them in if he feels they're ready. And like you know, Jordan, um sorry, to corner phrase, great to have you in the chat by the way, to corner a phrase, um, said yes Parkinson and Turner cup Now I think Turner cup might be on loan, but Turner Cup. yeah was a player that also played in pre-season and he had a really good loan spell at Tran And I remember watching him against Northampton last game of the season and he played really, really well. And yes, it was a few divisions down, but he was having a good loan spell. He was playing well. He was one of their main players and he'd come back hungry. Um, not saying he was going to get an opportunity, but Ben Parkinson may, may well get that opportunity, um, certainly in the squad m- more so um than anything, it's going to be interesting. Um, Jamie, uh, Jamie Burton, um, said J7 got to be the best option for Wilson. Would you have considered that, boys? J7 back up top again, he hasn't been up there since the, the Bruce days.
1: I mean, he's he's a different player now, different personality. Um, I don't think he would get lost in the role like he did previously. Um, because obviously he's established now, um, he knows the team, he knows how we play, um, and, and I think he's you know he's got a renewed confidence which he didn't previously have last time he played up front. Me personally, I I, I think we need uh, Joe Linton a fully fit, fully playing Joe Linton in the middle of the park, um, or possibly on the left, and uh, maybe to replace Anthony Gordon. Uh, I don't know if I'd play him up top because I just wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to go back to them old days. I just want to I just want to keep him knowing, knowing what he's doing, knows where he needs to be. Um I can see why Jamie says it, um, because we we are a little bit limited in options, but genuinely, I think, um, especially like we, what we were discussing earlier, if we're, you know, a couple of goals up and there's 20 minutes to go. I'd rather give a youngster a run out and just say, listen, you know the drill, you know how you play, just pretend you're playing for you know the reserve team or the under-23s, whatever you want to call them, and just play your game. Um, you know, they they'll have had some minutes out in preseason and stuff like that. I'd rather see an out-and-out striker play in, in the strike position um than try and fit someone in there um and potentially I'm not saying this would happen, but potentially ruin the confidence.
0: You know, we need We need Victor Boniface. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was said in the chat earlier, but Chris knows we talked about him. Uh, Probably what the back end of last week, uh, over the weekend. Victor Boniface scored tonight against Leverkusen. I was going to say,
1: is he playing tonight?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're currently 4 1 up in the the Europa League. He scored again. Uh, Victor Boniface. 5 1 up. 5 1 up, is it? I just checked literally 10 seconds ago, so that's Yeah, 5 one cool. up, and
1: the, Victor Boniface just got an assist.
0: Ah, so, um, If you yeah. don't know about Victor Boniface, go and check him out. I think it might have been Jordy Team for Life that mentioned him in the chat, but we've talked about him for uh, at least a week now. If you want, a, Den- if, if you want a Denver Bar um, uh, revamp, uh, he is that guy. Uh, Victor Boniface, absolute quality. Um, he would be um, 100% a great signing um, for Newcastle United. Um, I don't think we'll get him in January, but I think we'll get him in the summer and I would pay the money, whatever it would take to get him. He is a Nigerian striker, alternative to um, Othman. I think you'd get him for a lot cheaper. I think he'd be just as good. But if we only had one of them right now as an option, we would wow. be worried about... Alexander kind of uh being injured right now. But hey, uh, we'll be there very, very soon. What I just wanted to say before we move on, um, just looking at the team, uh, what we didn't talk about is play, is areas of, of play. So um, I think Callum Wilson exploits these areas here. I think he's got the beating of Dawson. Max Kilman is playing really well in this position. I don't really know too much about Totti, I've got to be honest don't know if you guys know any more about him, but yeah. apparently he's been having a good season for them. Um, I think it'll be really, really interesting uh, what Callum Wilson does to exploit these areas in here. Um, one-on-one, I think he's got the beating of Dawson in and behind him. I think he's got the strength to hold him on. Aerially, not so much for the ball be played in on the ground, on his uh, into feet. Here, if it's one-on-one, and um, I think Anthony Gordon's got the beating, but I think we've got an interesting defensive problem here and here. Um, I think the interesting thing about this is that normally in this situation, and I'll take these off for a second, is that Joe Linton tends to come back here to protect in this area there. But because they play with three at the back and they've got a wing back, what you're going to find is the is going to be overlapping in there. So they're going to be isolated as a one-on-one. So Joe Linton's actually going to have to cover in there or cut it off there. And I think it's going to be really interesting how we manage that. Now, how did we manage it against Dortmund? Not very well. They got the better of us, but these aren't the same team as Dortmund. They don't play in the same way. They've not got the same structure. And that's what I do worry about. Um, I think Trippier needs to be careful because he's been getting forward so many times here that that Huang likes to get in here, and mm. we got punished by that with Borussia Dortmund last time, um, mm. uh, 24 hours ago. So, I do worry about that. Um, again, eight Nori likes to make these moves into that space as well. Um, so, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting because normally I talk about how we're going to affect the team and how we're going to make the difference, but actually. At Molyneux, I do worry about what they've got if we go to attacking and two too kind of gung-ho, what they could potentially do going forward. What where I do have confidence is this area here. Yeah. If they're going in with two and we're in with three, I think we dominate possession off these three into these areas here. I think mm. we dominate this position here against Lamina and Triore. Mm. Um, and I think at some points in the game, you're going to get, um, in my opinion, I think you're going to get him tuck in here, and him tuck in there, to try and combat that that midfield three, which potentially could then have uh, a positive impact on the likes of Gordon and Amiron out wide in these positions here. I want to see Gordon go out on his left and whip balls in more often, coming in from the left into these areas. Miggy, you're not gonna get it from. I said to you boys, I was surprised when he whipped the ball into that area um uh, against Dortmund. Um, but I, I think if we make it or they make it a narrow game, I think we can potentially exploit that exploit that position. Um, just before we move on, boys, have you got anything to want to add with regards to the lineup and in the way in which we we're gonna set up?
1: I was just gonna say it's 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 all in phases for me. So when when they're in possession and when we're in possession i think it's going to be completely different because we're playing against this back five like you mentioned there pete about samaso and mm. um, potentially running down the line like yeah. it could even be communication is going to be key because it could even be that if samaso gets down that line Bain might track him but if yeah. bern tracks him joe linton needs to be in that hole That's to it. sort yeah. Neto out so it's it's going to be like that but then from an attacking point of view we then have an advantage to, you know, dominate the midfield area, as you've been saying, through the through the middle of the park. And when Semedo and Aitnori potentially cut in, it's then about us getting the ball out wide um, to make sure. Bec- because if, for me, if you're right in what you say, if Gordon is in a one-on-one with Max Kilman or Miggy Armanon is in a one-on-one with Totti,
3: yeah.
1: it, it could spell big danger for them. Because I think I think both have got the better. Um, of, of, you know, Tossie and Kilman um, because we, we know how quick Anthony Gordon and uh, Miggy Almondon are and not forgetting if you've got Bruno Gamera you know, bombing through the middle um, of the park um, you know, Lamina and Traore are going to have to work out because I'm assuming Joe Linton and Longstaff are going to be, you know, kind of occupying those two players and hopefully you could see Bruno kind of pushing through and really causing them some problems with the extra man in midfield
0: I honestly think, Chris, I think it's a really good point because normally you see Bruno pressing a midfielder in here, which vacates that position, which he did against Dortmund. And he's done it against other teams and got away with it, but he didn't against Dortmund because he wanted to... we, we were encouraging him to have that high press. And he, he presses... that Almost one defensive midfielder in, in Bruno def, presses the defensive midfielder of the opposite team. And, and he pushes away and presses this guy high up um in the hope that he wins the ball to spray it out wide to uh, or, or into Wilson in these positions. But I actually think he needs to hold his position tomorrow. Uh, sorry, Saturday. I on on reflection piece, just to touch what you've just said
1: there about Dortmund, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Do you think that Anthony Gordon lose, and I'm not blaming Anthony Gordon here, by the way. Do you think Anthony Gordon losing possession in the middle of the park, had an impact on the fact that we didn't have anybody watching match on the on the you know on the edge of the of the 18-yard box given the fact that we lost possession so high up so the likes of Longstaff, the likes of bruno the likes of joe linton weren't expecting the high press so quickly from dortmund and therefore we couldn't get back it was just just you saying that i thought you know what you're right in that we were pushing and pushing and pushing and gordon did lose possession and not as again i'm not blaming gordon because you know he was very forward thinking and he was really trying to push us up the pitch and in fairness it was a good tackle um i know we were screaming for a foul when it clearly wasn't a foul um do you think that had any impact you know you're saying about us being clever and making sure that we sit and make sure that we protect the you know the the two center backs do you think that had an impact on the on the goal yesterday
0: I mean, ultimately, it did have an impact on the goal because they scored from it. But I have to be honest, Chris, they had three or four other opportunities identical to the goal that they scored. And that wasn't because Anthony Gordon lost the ball. Now, people argue that he was, you know, he had a shirt pull before he got tackled. For me, you know... It, 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 the tackle that was made to lose possession for him was was a, was a, was a fine tackle. There was yeah. nothing wrong yeah, with it. Wolves. Um, Wolves. But what I didn't like is the way in which they tracked. Uh, they didn't track the players on the counter attack. That's mm. not Gordon's fault. That's no. that's the, no. that, that's the midfield, mid, particularly the midfield three, not doing their job. That's what I didn't agree with, and I mm. think they could have been better. So, um, the way that you know, the Mecca ghosts into the box.
2: Yeah.
0: And he has four or five yards around him when he receives the ball to take a touch, maybe even take another touch before he puts the ball in. For our for, for our detrimental reasons, he took one touch, one touch finish into the far corner. It was a brilliant finish. Yeah. And well, he played it. really, really well. And fair play to him. But that is not down to Anthony Gordon. No. Anthony Gordon got tackled. He lost the ball. Fine. But the rest of the team needed to do the job to stop that ball going into the net, and they didn't. Because yeah, was they, didn't track they didn't get back into position. Joe Linton sees the mecca and doesn't get there quick enough. He's too slow to react. Bruno Gomes in the shot that I saw, was in shot, which asks its own questions as a number six. If you're not in shot, where are you? Like, why are you not anywhere within two or three yards in within that player? That's the question I'm asking. Not about Gordon losing the board or getting tackled. Mm. But that's just my opinion. Yeah.
1: No, no, it's fair. It's fair. Um,
0: and and, and I, I don't blame Gordon for that. It was a good run. Could argue could have got a free kick, but he got tackled and it was a fair tackle when the tackle did get made. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses on that, but I, I, I do think it's going to be interesting. I do think these boys are going to make these runs down here just because they're at home and they're going to want to press forward and try and get the win. But... Um, we need an early goal. I'm not saying two, three minutes in, 15, 20 minutes into the game, if we score the first goal, I'll probably leave it as that. If we get, we need the first goal, whenever that comes. I think we settle into the game and we're able to then potentially dictate the play. Mm-hmm. Man City mm-hmm. lost to Wolves at Wolves because they conceded the first goal um, mm-hmm. and that put them under pressure. I think. We need to do what other teams like to do against us, like Dortmund did on, on Wednesday, is they got the first goal. I think if we get the first goal, we've got a good enough team and a good enough squad of players to dictate the way in which we play to try and then get the three points. So the mm-hmm. first goal is absolutely crucial. I hope they do their mid two like this. I genuinely do. But let's see. Uh, Keith, before we move on, anything to add on that in your opinion?
2: Not really. I think totally agree that first goal is really important, really. It's how Newcastle respond, really, to this September setback against uh, Borussia Dortmund, really. Um, I think it's interesting as well that in some other games, I'm thinking particularly the Man City game in the Colin Cup, there was a style of play that just completely surprised me, really, and surprised a lot of fans in that. Newcastle stood strong and they weren't on the front foot for the first 30 35 minutes of the of that game and i was i'm just wondering could we see some of that type of play come back in at some stage particularly if if howe has to ring the changes a bit more in 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 the due to injury could could we see some of that come in um but what interested me particularly in that game against man city was newcastle they didn't commit early Early in that game. They managed to sort it was like rope almost. They managed to absorb some of the um attacks and sort of city burnt themselves out. Could we try that tactic on the oppos- some of the oppositions again? Some of these upcoming games that we have instead of the high press all the time, and because it did throw city off that night, that's for sure.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a good point no, no you're absolutely right um, it, it is a, a very very good point um, so we'll end the, the the kind of lineups on that um, and there's a couple of questions Chris I want you to, um, mm-hmm. go, to go through there's one from there's a few that are aimed at, at Dave and obviously they've had to go but I think there's one from Daniel Much um Around Max Kilman, yeah, said, that's it. There, yeah. He so, he would be um, my Wolves player of choice. Would you guys have Max Kilman at, at Newcastle?
1: I think Max Kilman looks looks a fairly decent player. He's a he's a player I know that um, I'll say no, I don't know, but there's a there's been a lot of reports previously that we've looked at him, um, that he's on the list, if you like, mm. um, and I think he, there certainly looks to be a player there. And as we've said loads of times before, if anybody can, you know, coach a player to become even better, it's Eddie Um So yeah, I, I don't think uh, Daniel Much has made a bad job there. Interesting.
2: Keith yeah, he's had a solid. He's had a solid run at um, Wolves, hasn't he? He's been now quite a while now, so he he's been well established at Wolves, particularly in the last two three years. He's been ever present in the uh, Wolves side, hasn't he? So. That's mm. for sure. He's, mm. he's, he's, he's done quite well for himself. We've
1: got we've got two more questions, uh, and I'm going to end on the question from Geordie Toon for Life, because, uh, and I, I complimented Geordie Toon for Life on this question because uh, I don't think we've ever been asked it before. and It's a good one. Um, but I must say, Jamie Brewerton, and maybe this is in bad taste, Jamie, and maybe <laughs> I don't want anyone to be offended by this, but... Jamie has actually raised a good point and um, he's sorted out one of my bets for the weekend Um, because Jamie asks and I think it's a great shout um, if Bruno gets a yellow card this weekend then that means he misses the Man United game, the cup game Um, and someone and and he's put here was Pope the same last year obviously Pope got the red card so he missed the the final which is absolutely right Um, but I do believe that when you get um five yellows, it can cross over into a cup game. Anyone in the chat, please tell me if that's wrong. But what I wanted to ask you boys, and Jamie's actually said a bit further down here as well, uh, can you confirm if Bruno gets a yellow, he misses the cup game? I, I think that is correct, Jamie. Um Pete Keith, you may disagree. Yeah.
2: Was there a situation last in the, the before the cup final as well? Mm. Bruno got a red, didn't he? Before a few games before, and we were look. yeah, was it the semi? And we were worried yeah. we would miss the final, but because we had enough league games, it, he came it made, back and he made the final, yeah, and he made the final, yeah, three games, mm. yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um,
1: do we, do we know this, Pete? Do we, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it does, but what I wanted to ask you, boys, is a little added question onto that. Um, do you think? Do you think Eddie Howe, take away the injuries for the moment, do you think Eddie Howe was probably looking at maybe resting Bruno for this Man United game? I'm, I'm saying remove the injuries from this question. Obviously, it has to be it has to be a factor. But for me, uh, especially, especially with Arsenal coming up as well, I, I wonder whether Eddie Howe thinks, you know what, this could be the time to rest Bruno. And I don't think anyone would criticize Eddie Howe given the amount of injuries we've got, given what the result last night. I, I do fully expect to the changes for that uh, old traffic game. But, Pete, what, uh, I'll go to you first. What What are your thoughts on
0: that? I've just looked into it, and it says in here, any player earning five bookings from his size first 19 Premier League matches will serve a one-match ban in the same competition. Oh. It says, yellow cards are not carried over to the EFL Cup or the FA Cup. Oh, so that I don't know whether that's relating to the first 19 games. I I don't know because Keith's writing what he said because we were worried that he was going to miss the car the Carabao Cup final,
1: yeah, because of
0: his red card. And but is that because it was after the first 19
2: games? It's an interesting stipulation, that's how I'm reading that. It's it's a it's a very strange rule because why does it need a change after 19 games mm. which makes sense because the, that red card was in the second half of our season but the it's it's the defining the action there that if you know it doesn't apply and it only applies to league matches so yeah. if Bruno were to pick up it on that basis of Bruno were to pick up a yellow he would be able would to miss it and it will miss Arsenal. Hmm. Interesting, really
0: interesting. Um, if anyone knows the the answer to that question, I,
2: I've,
1: Jordy, I've set it up and it came Zimple, Zimple, I've said that he'd 100% miss the Arsenal game.
2: It, Wait, it, given our not, record, given our record against Arsenal,
0: yeah. Uh, to, to, yes, because obviously we've got Manu in between, so he would still be available for Manu game, but not yeah. the Arsenal one. so
1: but then my other question would be then, so if Bruno got a yellow in the Man
0: United game, does he not miss Arsenal as well? Well, this is the thing. I don't know. I don't know whether the Cup games still relate to the Premier League, but the Premier not League necessarily to the Cup. Like it, it
2: I doesn't. still haven't played 19 games, though. If you're applying it of domestic mm. British UK games, it's just if you throw in a couple of the Champions League games that you get close to 19. And different competition isn't it really UEFA so I don't I think it's um the way I'm reading it is it's if it's 19 it's either full league or 19 with cup games like mm. domestic cup games so
0: interesting. And we, we, we've got to remember that the, I think the the red card that he got against was it Southampton I think it was a was it a straight red it was a straight red whereas
2: th- these are cumulative bookings yes yeah, yeah, the yeah. difference between the caravan so, and andy gordon's situation was quite you know that might have been similar in that he had to miss a game recently because he'd accumulated the uh, number of bookings
1: yeah interesting one interesting mom. Yeah. Um, last question and again i don't think we've been asked this before so i'm going to ask both you boys this here is an unusual question something different if you had to change your current stadium for another stadium in the premier league which stadium would you choose now i had an instant answer for this and then i changed my mind for an obvious reason really but um keith i'll go to you first If you had to, if someone said to you, you can't have St. James's Park anymore, or we're rebuilding St. James's Park, you can pick whatever Premier League uh, stadium you want, what one would you pick for us to play in?
2: Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah, that's just a one word answer. No, seriously. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, What I would say with that is, I think with Tottenham's grounds, I mean, I've been there, I've been on the roof as well there as well. Uh, doing the skywalk but I just think I was just super impressed with the facilities the spit I mm. went to the bars and everything and the the view of the ground and even when the ground first opened up I was impressed by the character of the ground in that it was a modern facility but it still retains some of the old white yeah. Lane features yeah and it's more or less on the same site so imagine if we didn't have some of those land obstacles that we have at St. James's and we could spread out St. James's a bit further. That would be brilliant if we could adopt that sort of model and it'd be the same. I can see if in the future, Man United, maybe if things change with their sort of ownership or with their funds, maybe they could adopt something similar for the North for Old Trafford where they incorporate their car park and make it a a much bigger Old Trafford using that Tottenham model. So yeah, it's got to, for me, it's gotta be the Spurs Stadium. Mm. Pete. Um I'll
0: probably go Everton.
2: I thought you hated the place, uh, Pete. Well <laughs> I remember I remember, I, I, remember I remember you went and you weren't happy at all with that experience, but I, I guess it's got the old intimidating factor, hasn't it, in that Fans are joking, I was joking, I would not think
1: Everton no But Pete, Pete, the question is, and this this could give you a hint as to where my my mind's uh working. One, you get to come and see me a lot more because I'm in Liverpool. That's true, and two, are we picking old Everton or New Everton? Uh, Wow. Because the new stadium is looking very good, I must say.
0: And to be fair. It, the and they've stadium, never kicked a ball in it. <laughs> yeah. And they probably won't.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they probably won't the way they're going. <laughs> but uh, no, I I'm, I'm joking. Uh, but I said, I would say uh, that the team for life and uh, caught onto that very, very quickly. Um, there's two stadiums. There's two stadiums that I'd probably pick um, Tottenham Hotspur. I agree with Keith. Chris, we've been there. Um, it's it's a it's a superb stadium. Yeah, it's it. a superb. It is probably one of the best in the Premier League, easily the best in the Premier League. Yeah, but i um, I think for locality reasons, I'd maybe consider Celtic Park. Oh,
1: okay.
0: There's the atmosphere bit- that they 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 create when they're there. Would be perfect for Newcastle United fans. They, the big atmosphere big fans. that they create and the and the and and what they generate. You you know when you particularly hear it on Champions League nights and you you hear the roar and you hear the fans get behind them and it, it's very very similar at times to what we created at PSG and it's just like I take that and it's not too far traveling from from Newcastle up to up there. Then yeah. it would be going all the way down to like the Spurs or or somewhere else in the country. It's mm. not that far that's, north.
2: That's, there's been some interesting like part of murmurs again. I I've seen in the last <laughs> few weeks again about potentially, um, oh. Celtic Rangers again coming or being you know a situation might force them eventually to be part of the EPL. I don't know if if that'll ever happen, but it's interesting as well and. The question as well would be, I know it's Scotland, etc. and Sally Park, Scotland, but does it would it have to be restricted to just football grounds that could, you know, be developed for like could you maybe have Because, I mean, mm-hmm. that's massive Murrayfield number, isn't it? Was it about seventy odd, seventy five thousand? You've, you've, you've done it now, George for Life, you've done it now we go we go Otis, up old millennium millennium
0: stadium you want to hear man well, to, yeah. to be fair to be fair to draw the two i changed the goalpost i apologize because I, I i i took it out of premier league and I went yeah. to scottish uh, to, to the scottish league but but for me i i, I was Purely I was thinking of locality. I was thinking about Newcastle fans traveling. I was genuinely thinking about the, the actual opportunity for Newcastle to have as an alternative stadium. Uh, I, that was just what I was thinking, but um but yeah, no, no, don't apologize.
2: No, no, apologize it it I, I think loss. I think Geordie had suggested our friends down the road there. But the key thing is was current Premier League. And I believe our friends down the road haven't been current. Premier League for seven, eight years now. So, yeah, that rules them out of the equation. It does. No chance. Does. Not a chance. Would you? Okay, I'm going
0: to ask you a really quick question before we wrap up. Would you take Middlesbrough? Would you take the Riverside Stadium as an alternative? If, if, and hypothetically, and this is for everyone in the chat that's watching right now, if Newcastle United were building a brand new stadium, maybe on the other side of the Leases. Leeson Park and we were like generating to build a Tottenham-like stadium bigger and better obviously would you take maybe for a year year and a half playing at the Riverside Stadium would you take that go on Chris I'll let
1: you go first <laughs> I don't I, you know what I don't know and to answer the question by the way I, I, I obviously spent far too much time thinking about this because straight away like Keith I went Tottenham Hotspur Stadium all day long, and then the more I thought about it, I was actually like, No, do you know what? I would pick Everton's new ground and the reason being is because it would take me about eight minutes to get there. So, from a selfish Anfield, point Chris, of view, it would Anfield be with,
2: with 60 odd 65,000
1: with a new build, <sighs> I know, um, Anfield and End And um, I just, I, just, I, just Liverpool I, to, I think I just I, I like the idea of a brand new stadium. Um, so I, to, I think. Uh, like, Goodison isn't really an option. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the brand-new sparkly stadium, and if we had the opportunity to just move in there and it was 10 minutes down the road from me, from a selfish point of view, I would love that as a Newcastle fan. But, yeah, Riverside Stadium... Um... Yeah, because, let's be honest, wherever we play, um, we know that we're then moving into a brand-new, lovely, state-of-the-art stadium. So, I think, I think, for me... You would just have to, you know, bite the bullet. Better than going to the stadium of my life. Um, so yeah, I think I think people I think people would accept uh, the Riverside for a year, and eighteen months. Not it takes about an hour. Happen, it takes but...
2: about an hour to travel there, doesn't it? Really to the uh, to to the Riverside. I think from Newcastle, but I'm not sure how receptive the Borough fans would be towards Newcastle as well. I, I, it's been a while since that rivalry's been there, and. I mean, Obviously, we would pay, wouldn't we, for that? You know, we would pay rent like a rental fee for however long it would take. But I think realistically, if if when St. James's gets developed and we need to not be in the ground, I think they'll probably do some in it. PIF will do some in a way. Maybe they could utilize the um Gosforth Racecourse Stadium and put like sort of a temporary sort of temporary stands there or some part of the city where they could just put some temporary stands up you can just see them coming up the Tyne now can't you the, the, the something like that really and develop that because i remember in the 90s um there was controversy and problems when he even suggesting going down to gateshead you know gateshead gateshead stadium and that's just over the river so i think eventually that'll probably be what happens that is a big if Newcastle need to vacate the stadium while the stadium gets redeveloped. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Very interesting. Right. and uh, before we end the show, we've got to get to those predictions. Um, and let's see uh what happens with that. But put putting there a question for you, Chris. Uh I'm praying, I'm praying for a 12-point deduction. That would be um, music to my ears. Uh, I don't know if it'll be music to your ears, Chris, because of the, the aggro you might get from the I'll be like um, that. household,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, there's been rumors of it. Um, but no, I don't think it'll happen. I've just said to Alan, I don't think it'll happen. Um, I think it'll be suspended if, if they give it. I
2: think it'll go to arbitration if if the Premier League would uh to do that. I think that, what would uh, what would Man be City, would I think they look at Man City and I think the challenger,
1: Chris. Yeah, they would. But what'd be interesting is is if it is suspended or they sanction it for next season, if they're in the championship, imagine having 12 point deduction in the championship. That's going to be nasty. And even if they stay up, they're going to then come into the next season in the brand new stadium, minus 12 points. Mm. So whether it's now or next season, it could have a big impact.
2: I'm just smiling there thinking, not at the situation and that I'm just thinking if they get a new ownership. And if it be the seven seven seven, and then they've got a club that have just been deducted twelve points, and they're in the championship, they'll be like, yeah. this see what we've signed up for?" Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'll get the seven,
0: 7 There's already question marks. Yeah, I among think. It. I, think will, I, I, I,
2: it. I think that that could again be a partial, a bit like Sir Jim Ratcliffe at United. I think it would be some kind of partial investment thing that goes on because. That they don't really seem to have the money. They seem to be sort of un- unravelling, really. Yeah, definitely.
0: But, boys, prediction time. Uh, we're going to get those predictions in. People have already put theirs in the chat. Uh, some go for a draw, some go for a Newcastle win. Um, I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. I'm going to stick to my 2-1 prediction that didn't come to fruition against Borussia Dortmund. I'm going to go for it 2-1. Newcastle United. Chris, I'm going to come to you. What are you going for, fella? Sorry, you probably see
1: me all. I just think like my be batteries flashing and so forth. Guys, I, I better quickly get it in. I'm going to say 2-1 Newcastle. I agree with you, Pete. I think, I think we'll sneak it 2-1.
0: Excellent.
2: And Pete, Dr Doom, what are you going for this week, fella? Well, this is going to be a tough game on tired legs. Wolves have had those extra days to recover. Newcastle haven't. We've had a couple of tough games A couple of injuries racked up as well. So Newcastle are going to have to respond and be at their very best on Saturday after the disappointment yesterday. And it's going to be a tough one. I think think Newcastle are going to need all the luck in the world for this result to come through. They're going to need all the decisions from the referee and they're going to need all VAR to be switched on for this result to come through. Because I'm predicting that...
3: More
0: one,
2: one, I thought it was a win. I thought it was a win. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, was a win. yeah. 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 I was so, so excited.
2: Game, I thought they'd go for it. 10, 10 out of 16 out of this game have been a draw in the Premier League. So I think 10 again, I think it'll be another draw and six out of those eight games Newcastle played at Molineux have been a draw. So I think it'll be another draw. Fingers crossed. It'll be a draw and fingers crossed the two and get a point on Saturday and get a good result. Fingers crossed mate, but predictions are
0: in, lots of predictions in the chat. Get your predictions in before the show um, goes out. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, um, the radiatorshed.com. Thank you to Russ and his team. And of course, uh, thank you to everything that they do with the channel. Uh, top quality materials made from plate steel providing longevity all designed and manufactured in Italy. Aluminium Rads in are environmentally friendly and are perfect for heat source pumps. They do a home survey service and will install if required. A massive thank you to those um, uh, that support at the Bathroom Design H2O north-east and North East largest suppliers of Villeroy and Botch bathroomware. Team Valley Gateshead over twenty years established and run by the family so make sure you get down to the showroom on 11th avenue team by the gates head um and make sure you support all things h2o and no one's getting a shower tonight but it's on the far side of us all but what we can see is some quality bathrooms in place and thank you for your support Russ and the team guys Superb show! Great to have Dave on uh, from a Wolves perspective, talking all things Wolves. Thank you, um, Keith, for your perspective on stats and, and, and great opinions. I love it when you critique our, our lineups and and you give your opinions on it. And
2: I, I just wish we had more players fit, and then I'd be able to critique with alternative options. As we, as I'm sure we all like to critique. But bring us back
0: soon. A, a botman and a. And, and an Izak or, or one or two others back soon would, would definitely help things, that is for sure. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Make sure on your way out, you click the like, click subscribe, you support the channel and um, and get it out there for others to see um, what we are doing on Loaded Mike and UFC. But for now, we're letting you guys go and uh, um, we'll be back for uh, Loaded Reaction, should I say, on Saturday evening after the game to keep an eye out for that tweet as well. But until then, we do love playing away. Chris, take us out, fella. How'd you I like love? that? How'd you like that? How'd you like that, Keith? <laughs>